0: Hello and welcome to everyone for this episode of the sports night podcast. Uh, we are back with another fandom series uh, interview and this time we have the lovely Laura with us. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on. So uh, yeah, we're going to go through same questions as before everyone gets the same treatment. Uh, we want to know no, I uh, want to know more about you. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Oh, wow. Uh, my name's Laura. I live in Ottawa, Ontario, and uh, no, it's it's been a pretty, pretty busy year in spite of the fact that everybody's been locked in at home, but um, in, this, uh, in the time that I've been here, I've been watching tons of sports on TV and uh, definitely been dedicating way too much time to watching movies and stuff as well, but uh, no, it's um... <laughs> like you said, you can edit this stuff out, right? <laughs>
0: I sure can.
1: (laughs) My life is pretty dull at this point. Let's be honest. It's it's a pandemic lifestyle. So, I mean, there's only so much you can do around the apartment before you get bored.
0: Well, let's jump into it. So first question is, uh, what is it about sports that draws you to cheer and watch and keep coming back? Well,
1: um, I mean, I would have said in, in pre-pandemic times, the before times, it was definitely for the social aspect of it. Uh, there's a certain community and a communal attitude toward watching sports together or, you know, being in a, in a stadium, watching something live happening in front of you. And uh, I think that is something that it's, it's unexplainable until you've actually experienced it for yourself. So I'm sure that there's a lot of sports fans out there that are just, chomping at the bit to get back out in public again because you miss it you really do miss being around people in that atmosphere
0: do you find it uh an escape a hobby an addiction exhausting exciting all of them
1: i don't know if i'd classify it as an addiction just yet i mean i still haven't got all of my jerseys and hats that i'm looking for but uh no, I mean, it's, it's something that, uh, you use it as an escape usually. I mean, especially now, since there isn't really a lot going on. Um, but it's something that I find brings a lot of really good health to people, both mentally, emotionally, physically. uh, it's, it's just something that you want to keep up with. And, uh, I mean, it, it can be exhausting to follow an entire season, you know, with, uh, hundreds and hundreds of baseball games or you know, basketball or something like that. But uh, when you've got the time and, and you want to dedicate it to something like it,
0: yeah, sports are it. All right. So let's take it back. do a little bit of time travel to understand Laura. Uh, what is your earliest memory of watching or playing a sport?
1: Oh boy. Uh well, I mean, growing up in the nineties outside of Toronto, it was all Blue Jays World Series uh, all the time. And especially since my dad moved here from England, I mean, he wanted to fit in with the culture. So he picked up Blue Jays gear all the time, just in order to kind of fit in and have something to talk about with people. Uh, so that was really the the pinnacle of it for me as a kid. Um, and then mostly, you know, it. Some people would classify it not as a sport, but I did dance a lot. So it was something else that, uh, you know, I, I I took for granted as a kid, but, uh, you know, sports like swimming or cycling. Uh, and then I also did a lot of soccer and baseball as a kid as well, too.
0: Uh, so you kind of answered this, but uh, would you consider your house a sport house or would you more consider it of... Uh, turning into a sport house to fit in?
1: Uh, Partially. I mean, when my dad first moved here from England, there wasn't really much of a Canadian appetite for football at the time. Um, So he kind of dropped it, but but I do remember, you know, Saturday mornings are always dedicated to premier league. So that was our thing together or, you know, watching world cup soccer, something like that. But uh, for the most part, I mean, everybody in my family was fairly athletic, but we didn't necessarily watch a lot of professional sports leagues. It was more, if there happened to be, you know, summer Olympics or winter Olympics, you were dedicated more to following along with national teams instead of following along with, yeah, professional basketball or, or uh, baseball, something like that.
0: Uh, and uh, again, you've answered this before, but yeah, uh... You uh, partake in uh, sports as a younger person. Was it uh, because your family members encouraged you or because you kind of saw it and were like, hey, I wanna you know, play that or I wanna participate in that?
1: Uh, half and half. I mean, my mom really wanted me to get involved in group sports, um, you know, obviously, because dancing is pretty singular. And I mean, you can do it with teams and stuff, but it wasn't really the best thing to try and stay active and organized. Um so really it was uh falling into step with uh, friends of mine in uh, in public school when we moved and, and baseball was the thing that everybody was signing up for uh the summer that we moved so my parents signed me up and uh it was actually my aunt and uncle that uh, taught me how to play so i can remember being out on their front lawn and learning how to throw a baseball and uh, swing a bot- swing a bat as well too when uh, i was probably about 8
0: so uh, you said that you watched a lot of soccer, um, a lot of baseball growing up. Uh, were there any other sports that were, say, big in Europe, not so big here in uh, North America that you uh, also watched as well?
1: Uh, we were lucky when I was probably in my early teens, pre-teen phase. We managed to get a uh, local rugby station. So we followed along with a lot of... Um, Uh, First Nations Rugby, European League, Um, and then I really started getting into watching it more uh, as an international sport, so um, it kind of fell into step as well when um, in high school that was, like, the big sport for our school was to have people sign up to play rugby. I never did, but um, it was definitely something that I liked watching instead of, uh, you know, getting my teeth kicked in, so...
0: Uh, What were some of your favorite teams uh, growing up?
1: Well, um, growing up in Toronto, it was Blue Jays all the way. Uh, I never got into watching hockey, which I know is sacrilegious for a Canadian to say. But uh, no, it was more uh, baseball falling into step with uh, um, mostly the Toronto sports teams um, and then, you know, my uncle would impart, uh, things like CFL football with, uh, you know, the tie caps and stuff like that. So yeah, you know, it was mostly, yeah, the, the blue Jays, the Raptors tie cats, and that was pretty much it for the longest time.
0: Did you find it difficult to follow uh, your favorite team then, or do you find it more difficult now as an adult to follow your favorite team?
1: Well, I think you and I share this where it can be really frustrating for Canadian fans to watch their favorite franchise. (laughs) We always manage to kind of, you know, push it to a certain point and then fall off a cliff. And it's always that, you know, anticipation of like, okay, now's a really good time to be following this particular sports team, knowing that, yeah, we're probably going to hit a really long stretch of mediocrity at some point. So enjoy the good times while they're here. Um, but yeah, uh, it's, it's definitely made me a a passionate fan. I haven't really uh, fallen out of favor with any of the teams that I watched as a kid. I still do now. So, yeah.
0: Uh, how did your appetite of sports, uh, change as you grew up?
1: Um, I became more interested in a wider variety of them. And um, I think just because I had an admiration for people that can do athletics, um, it really broadened the scope of, of what I grew interested in. And um, yeah, I think really understanding the nuance of it and then trying to do it myself and failing miserably. But uh, yeah, it was it was something that I always admired um, athletes for doing, uh, just the dedication and the amount of training it takes to, in order to become, the best at the professional
0: level. Are there any sports teams that you uh, followed or liked as a kid that you don't really pay attention to, or they're at their, your bottom of your list uh, now as an an adult?
1: Not really there. I, like I said, I I do tend to try and keep up with the sports that I've always enjoyed and the teams that I watched, you know, it's kind of ingrained in you that you, kind of have a loyalty to them out of some sort of commitment or something. But uh, for the most part, no. I mean, generally, if there were any times where you were going through stretches where your team wasn't doing very well, you support certain players or maybe you might pick up another team to kind of cheer them on if they were doing better. But uh, no, there, there isn't really many uh, many teams that I used to support that I don't anymore. Players, yes used to be a huge Allen Iverson fan. What the hell happened to that guy?
0: He got old, just like we're getting old, you know? <laughs> hey. <laughs> uh, would you say that uh, people tried to sway you from cheering for certain teams or... Did they kind of get the message? There's no changing Laura's mind.
1: I don't think anybody's really tried to change my mind in any regards. I know that really everybody in our family has started supporting a team that somebody else in the family absolutely despises. It always seems to be the way that you know our, our rivalries evolve in our families. That uh, you know somebody is uh, supporting a team that's doing really well that season and then you automatically feel like you have to root for the underdog and that's exactly how a lot of our team um, favorites have kind of spawned ever since you know I started watching uh, uh, NFL football as well too I mean that was how I got into watching the Seahawks in the first place was because you know I had a rivalry
0: with my uncle who supported Pittsburgh so (laughs) all right well now it's come to time uh where i will ask you uh what is your sport or team allegiances
1: ooh well we've gone through uh baseball as the blue jays uh toronto raptors i have watched literally since day one because i mean you were a kid growing up in the 90s and you wanted a team that uh, had a dinosaur as a mascot i mean
0: Right. They, they picked the right popular out. movie to name a team after they.
1: Exactly. I mean, like they had the ferns and stuff. They had all of the fun things that the, you know, the mascot could jump out of. And I mean, Oh, he was just fantastic. I mean, right up there with, with you know, Benny, the bull, Benny the bull was the tops <laughs> as well. Too. But uh, yeah. And then proceeded through a whole bunch of other, uh, you know, international sports as well too. I mean, uh, rooting for the underdog, you know. I, I really enjoyed watching uh, Portugal when they were in the uh, the Euro Cup, and just absolutely sobbed when they lost, you know, in Lisbon. Um, or when, um, yeah,
0: it was the the Super Bowl. And are, are are you talking about like when they played Greece in the Euro yes. final? How could you call Portugal the underdog? They had a bunch of unknowns. And really, I mean, Greece Greece had never won before.
1: Greece wasn't going to win that game. And then, yeah, all of a sudden, Portugal just kind of tripped over their own laces. Well,
0: I mean, Greece was famous for just scoring a goal and parking the bus. That was their whole strategy, and it won them the tournament. Good for them. And they've never (laughs) won since, so, you know, the...
1: Well, I mean, Portugal won one, and they haven't won one since. So
0: That's true, but I know. guess I guess, as we got older, they were expected to win more and more than back in the early yeah, 2000s. But I mean, it,
1: that's the problem, I think, with that team, and for a lot of international teams, unfortunately, is that they have one exceptional superstar, and then the rest of the team are decent players that have all got really, really good professional teams elsewhere, but they have no chemistry. So... It just it falls apart so quickly. And I think that was why that team worked so well is because they had so many excellent veterans at the time and an ascendant Cristiano Ronaldo. And that was why I just ate it up. I mean, it's it was just something that uh, that stuck with me all that time. But um, yeah, I mean, when you're looking at teams that you kind of latch onto, it's it's those moments. there's always something that kind of draws you in and you think, okay, you've gone from, being just an average fan to an absolutely rabid fan that just needs to see
0: more of this team. Uh, So you like a lot of teams that are not um, say hometown, at least current hometown. um, What was there any particular uh, team that you were drawn to that wasn't the cause of going against a family member? Uh, or out of spite i'm going to cheer for this team and just kind of stuck
1: uh generally no i mean like unless it was sort of organic you know like following basketball or uh rugby as well too you just kind of you see certain players and you think my gosh like that's that's the person that i want to cheer for but um No, for the most part, normally, like I said, uh, most of my TV watching, or at least my, uh, my sports teams have always been driven out of a need for a rivalry, just some reason to kind of have a disagreement with someone.
0: Speaking of rugby, are you excited or intrigued at all that Ottawa will be getting a rugby team?
1: Finally, is all I can say. I don't know how well they're going to do, but I mean, I would absolutely love to go and watch more rugby games here.
0: Have you uh, yeah. seen a live rugby game?
1: I have, and they are just as brutal in person as they are on TV, um, but uh, I think it'll be fantastic. I mean, I know that for Canada's national team, they every everything seems to be based out of BC, which is great. You know, they've, they've got excellent facilities out there to help them train up, but uh, yeah, in order to have something that's closer, I mean, I would absolutely love to just, walk down the street and go watch something at TD place and uh, yeah, celebrate some local guys.
0: (laughs) I I hope soon, you know, uh, fingers crossed. Um, (laughs) What is it about those certain teams or sports that keep you entertained and coming back for more?
1: Um, I think it's their camaraderie when, when you've got a team with a really good team atmosphere and things are going well, they're winning or, you know, they've just got a really good chemistry going. I think that sort of feeds into the fact that they've got a really good relationship with the owner, the management, between the players and the fans. And then when you're a part of that entire community, it's, it's addicting. I mean, when you're in a, in a winning culture uh, you know, it's just, it's such a really great atmosphere to be, Uh, a part of. I mean, (laughs) as a fan, you're not necessarily contributing except to the noise, but uh, at least you feel like you are a part of something bigger. And uh, that's what makes these moments, at least even just watching from home, uh, so entertaining.
0: Now, uh, I know you've seen quite a bit of your favorite teams, uh, but uh, you do enjoy some teams that are a little bit geographically far away from you. Uh, have you been able to see, uh, those teams uh, in person before?
1: If I ever got the chance to go and see, you know, New Zealand, all blacks in New Zealand. Absolutely. But no, no, I haven't had the chance to, to really go and travel. um, Again, it's it's a problem with having diverse taste or at least uh, non-localized ones, but you can't really do very much when you're kind of stuck around Ottawa. It's not a very big sports market. <laughs> um, no, I, I'd love to. I would love to travel, but it's just the opportunity hasn't been there yet.
0: I mean, sports tourism, it's uh, becoming massive out there. So I think you're going to see a lot more I mean, tourism in general, but sport tourism, because we've been so cooped up. Uh, I, th- I think it's, uh, it's a business to get into if uh, I'm investing any money, which I clearly don't, because we don't have a sponsor yet. But if you know someone who would like to sponsor the podcast, hit us up at the Sports Podcast at gmail.com or hit us up on our social media pages. And, uh, you know, we can use a promo code Laura for 10% off whatever you are promoting.
1: oh man
0: uh so what is it like to see a live sporting event
1: um again it all boils down to that atmosphere i mean there's real significant impacts to being in some stadium or an arena or at a ballpark and it's it's the sights the sounds uh, the food it's the drinks it's uh you know the obnoxious rival team player that's you know up in the stands egging you on um it's just it's a it's a fun experience to have and uh, especially when you get to share it with people that equally enjoy it just as much as you uh, it's it's just i am so looking forward to finally getting back out there in order to relive those experiences Experiences, or at least show some support for the team and the fans. Um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's indescribable. Same sort of feeling as going to like a live music concert. You've been dying to go for so long. You finally get the experience to see them live. You're, you're excited for it.
0: Now, uh, in the 90s or without the internet in general, um, it was, you know, sometimes pretty hard when you couldn't watch Uh, the game or, you know, the dreaded word blackout uh, local market. Um, But do you find it easier or harder now that the internet and streaming allows you to see almost pretty much anything or maybe not so legally find a a way to watch it? Um, Or do you find that it kind of overwhelms you because there's that opportunity and you know, you can watch the game and you might feel like, oh, like I, I don't have time or you kind of feel anxious. You'd be like, I want to watch it, but I got to do eight other things. But the option's there. I can do it. Whereas in the <laughs> 90s, it was like, oh, I don't get that channel. I guess I'll watch highlights tomorrow.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's definitely a luxury to have it. Streaming services have definitely impacted the way um, that I think a lot of uh, sports fans and uh, fan bases have grown exponentially. I mean, you can have uh, a bunch of supporters, uh, for a team in Canada, you know, uh, like the Raptors when they won- went to the finals, they were mentioning the number of fans that were being seen holding up Raptors flags all across the world. I mean, they were in Australia and China and Switzerland and New Zealand. And, and yeah, uh, it's just, it's made it more accessible for people no matter where you are. And I know it's definitely impacted the way that I've been able to watch more international sports, especially with Australian rules, rugby, or even watching things like cricket. It's a sport that I'll never understand, but I mean, now I'm getting the option and the opportunity to actually see a professional sport. And so it makes it a big difference. Um, it definitely makes it more egalitarian, I guess trying to find uh, you know, an, a broader sports base in order to support your team. So, I mean, there's a big opportunity for these guys to capitalize on the fact that while you might not be able to see them in person, like geographically, uh, at least you'll be able to support a team that you really admire or players that you really uh, want to follow. And uh, I think that's a great idea, honestly.
0: And you can go on social media and tell them that you're supporting them. So that they know we're that asking, clearly it was you shouting like you to shoot or pass the ball, so they know exactly who to target and look at and give angry eyes at. Oh
1: yeah, the armchair quarterbacks. Uh,
0: <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> um, now, uh, I know internationally traveling for sporting events, especially when you you know like teams in the NFL, it, you know it gets a little more complicated. You have to take a lot more time, a lot more planning. Uh, but have you ever traveled uh, around Canada or around Ontario to uh, see uh, a team that you like uh, play live?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, in our family, one of the the biggest ones actually is something known as the Labor Day Classic. And that is the CFL sports game where they've got the, uh, the Toronto Argonauts playing against the uh, Hamilton Ticats. And if you're unfamiliar with that rivalry, it goes back centuries at this point. Uh, there is an entire day dedicated to um, this particular playoff game. Well, it's not even a playoff game, it's a regular season one. Um, but to travel across the province and then you know, picking up other family members as we go, that is usually the thing that we look forward to most at the beginning of each of the, uh, the seasons. Um, you know, cause it's, it's a full afternoon of tailgating and you get to see all the locals and then they've got their brand new stadium in, uh, in Hamilton as well too, which is really nice. Um, but uh, yeah, in terms of traveling for other sports, generally uh, Toronto seems to be the, uh, the major draw cause they've got the larger stadiums and uh, pretty big fan bases as well too. So um, on the rare occasion, yes. But, uh, you know, it's it's more of a, a treat or an exception than it is, you know, like a an ex- uh, part of the routine, really.
0: I was going to say, because uh, out here, at least in Saskatchewan in the prairies, the Labor Day Classic is Winnipeg, Saskatchewan. And Uh, You know, no one really talks about Toronto Hamilton out here. It's all Saskatchewan and Winnipeg, how they hate Winnipeg. It's a huge hate. I had no idea how much hatred was for Winnipeg out here. Now, when it comes to hockey, it's kind of split because there's no professional hockey in the NHL in this province. So you get lots of Edmonton, lots of Calgary and some Winnipeg fans, but more younger kids because they're the newest team. Uh, but you see they a lot of young kids it. yeah a lot they of young kids are like yeah I like them because they're new and young like me so I think maybe in 10 years there'll be a more of a division but yeah outside of hockey they they do not like Winnipeg at all and it's hilarious it's like the hatred between Otto and Toronto it kind of warms my heart as much as this I is mean, a. you
1: have to have a nemesis you have to. Got to have one
0: as much as this yeah. is a positive podcast and how sports really brings everyone together. Part of that is hatred for another team. It's just part how we live. And uh, <laughs> it kind of warms my heart when I hear people on the radio say how much or how they can't wait for the Labor Day Classic to come again so that they can just kick the living crap out of Winnipeg, even though they just <laughs> won the great cup, they're the latest winners. So it's uh, uh it's I the longest wait. standing
1: title, actually. It's, that is the longest standing title in Canadian sports at this point. Cause you know, tick tock, we're all, we're all waiting indoors at this point for something else to happen.
0: We are now, what is the biggest sporting event or biggest game that you have been able to see live?
1: Unfortunately, I haven't been able to get into any playoff games and that is something that I would absolutely love to go and experience once in my life, you know, going to the Sky Dome, seeing the Jays play if they make it into the playoffs um, or having the opportunity to even get myself down to Jurassic Park or something like that. That would be absolutely fantastic to go and experience that. Um, but no, sadly, I, I haven't been able to participate in, in a live scenario like that Um you know, unless the opportunity kind of rolled through Ottawa, which is, is pretty slim. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I would definitely be willing to, to make the, the travel go the distance in order to go and see one of my favorite teams uh, in one of their uh, playoff scenarios.
0: Uh, and kind of to build off that, have you been uh, lucky enough to see uh, kind of an unforgettable play or memorable play uh, at those games that you've been to?
1: Oh, boy. I mean, (laughs) most of the games, unfortunately, that I have been to live, there hasn't really been anything remarkable or um, they didn't really mean that much in the moment. You know, like they're just a regular season game. So, I mean, I've I've stuck around for uh, uh, 10th or 11th innings or um, there was the uh, friendly match that um, uh, the women's national soccer team played against Brazil that was pretty intense because that was a very last second goal but I mean there weren't any stakes in it so it was exciting but at the same time it didn't really amount to anything at that point um but you know more for the spectator aspect of it I mean I've I've witnessed so many sporting events just you know watching in bars or at home Um, or even, you know, like from outside the stadium at the tailgates and stuff. But, uh, no, unfortunately I haven't been in the crowd to experience that moment. And that just kills me.
0: (laughs) Um, so you've kind of touched on this and we both know, uh, the feeling of it, but, uh, how hard is it to follow a team when things aren't going well or things are being mismanaged?
1: (laughs) I mean, it's like the five stages of grief, right? You go through all the different phases. <laughs> Anger, acceptance. <laughs> it it is it is a struggle. And I mean, every single fan, or at least the ones that really are dedicated to following their team, always think that they have some solution or that they're just one player away, or you know, just one better call. Why didn't they do that in the moment? Um, it can be really really devastating for you know people that take it very very seriously I mean ultimately sports are, are part of the identity that you' you've got for yourself so it hurts when they they aren't doing well but uh, yeah I mean <laughs> I think really ultimately coming to terms with the fact that you are not the one in control of uh, these multi-million dollar contracts and trying to make the right call in the moment, when you're right there in the moment um that kind of pressure man i i don't know how you live up to that if you were in that situation which is why they get paid the big bucks and i don't
0: <laughs> <laughs> um now have you ever been uh you know bribed or uh people trying to convince you to change uh some of your favorite teams
1: someone's bribing people to switch allegiances
0: uh, i've i've heard it. I haven't seen it. I mean, people very horribly try and offer me all the time, but I mean. <laughs> wait, they, wait, wait, wait.
1: Who are they trying to get you to root for instead then?
0: Of of course, all the Toronto fans think that they're the greatest thing since sliced bread. So they just say, oh, come, you know, oh, we're the better team. You should just join the better team. And they, they you <laughs> know, don't realize that they can't win more than two rounds of a playoff series in the same playoffs. So, you know,
1: Ooh, ooh. your viewership just ducked by about a few thousand people there. That's a shame.
0: <laughs> oh, darn. <laughs> Hate to lose you Toronto Leaf fans.
1: One Leaf, one, leaf fan. one no. leaf
0: fan.
1: Um, unfortunately, no, I have not been bribed into anything. Um, but, uh, no, I mean, really when you feel like you've got a, an allegiance to, or, uh, you know, some sort of loyalty to a fan base or a team that you enjoy. Um, really, I mean, like it's, it's difficult to try and leave it. And, uh, you know, like I, I, it's, it's something that you kind of carry around with you in my opinion. Um, if you're a fan at one stage, you're going to be a fan at some other point. You may not be following the team as religiously, but, uh, at least you've got something to look forward to when all of a sudden they make a turnaround and you can say, I was there since day one. I am not a bandwagon fan.
0: (laughs) Back in my day, we didn't yell at our players. (laughs) I
1: remember the good days. I also remember a lot of bad ones. (laughs) Like a lot, like a lot of bad ones.
0: (laughs) This time there wasn't so many bad days in between the good days and... So with all the pain, the emotion, the ups and downs that teams can put you through, why do you do it? Why
1: bother? It's, it's something that, uh, you know, I, have been questioned about that as well too, but honestly, I think that there's more to it. It's, it's the human interest in it. It's, uh, the emotions that get wrapped up in it. It's, it's intoxicating. You want to be there to experience the highs and the lows and, uh, you know, it's, it's something that, uh, that really speaks to who we are really as, uh, as people and, and understanding that we, we want to be there to celebrate the good times and um, really appreciate people that, uh, that put everything that they've got into a, a single moment and knowing that you probably will not witness something like that again for a very long time. Uh, so, yeah, I just, you, you appreciate it in the moment when things are going really well.
0: What is your favorite memory from your teams?
1: There's so many. (laughs) I think, you know, the one that I want to bring up about Seattle, but uh, no, the other one that really stood out to me um, was the, uh, the NFC champs comeback against green Bay. Uh, That was a game where (laughs) I was actually at a staff party at the moment. And we were in a bowling alley. And I had to watch that game on a tiny little 12 inch screen that was right above the bar in behind the, uh, in behind the bowling shoes. <laughs> and watched in absolute astonishment as uh, Seattle made a 16, 17 point comeback to win it in overtime,
0: which was just insane. Now, when that happened, and I didn't to- <laughs> did you, did you kind of, when you were like, all right, like we've won, like, there are certain moments I didn't in playoff
1: me to celebrate with that's the stupid thing i was the one person in there that was cheering for this team everybody else you know is having a grand old time bowling <laughs> and unfortunately the guy who actually was running the bowling alley was a green bay fan so i had no support whatsoever
0: <laughs> you know how there are moments during like a playoff run or like uh you know end of you know last game of the season to like Clinch something or get first place where, like, something happens like that, where you're just like, you know what? Like, it's almost like destiny. Like, we've done this. Yeah. Like, I feel you kind of feel that not confidence, but you're just like, I'm not worried anymore. Did you yeah. have that feeling after that game? You're like, you know what? Super Bowls in two weeks. I'm not worried. I have all the confidence now. Is that yeah. kind of and then hope dashed
1: because that yeah. same year. <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, that's not that wasn't their fault. That was,
1: of course, not. Yeah, that was just uh, that was a bad, bad call. But anyway, no, I mean, it's it's something that uh, yeah, I mean, in the moment, it's it's euphoric. You just feel so fantastic about yourself, despite the fact that you had nothing to do with that moment. But uh, no, it, it's it's definitely um, something that you you'd like to recapture every now and again. I mean. Baseball, it was that uh, uh, ALDS series between the Jays and the Rangers. Again, because you have an absolute nemesis in a team that you just despise. And when you get that chance to just crush them in, in a single inning, oh, that was definitely by far one of my favorite moments in baseball.
0: That was, I, I think that was my favorite moment in recent memory for baseball because it was the same evening as an election here in Canada Mm -hmm. and so I remember being at uh, Darcy McGee's downtown one screen has the election (laughs) one screen has the baseball going and kind of the sound going back and forth when there's an update and oh something's happening in the baseball let's get the sound out well what the hell is happening why is what just happened why is the umps like that was just a crazy seventh inning yeah, that, uh, it's one of
1: those moments, like the "where were you when" kind of thing.
0: It definitely was, and it's definitely one of those kind of revisits during the pandemic, uh, during you know the kind of low period, especially last year when no sports were happening. I did a lot of deep dives into kind of important or memorable highlights, and just watched the entirety of that you know thirty-five minute seventh inning. That mm-hmm. was just you, you feel the exact same and you remember how you felt when you first saw it and it just brings it back and you feel the exact same way.
1: Yeah. Or the, uh, um, 2012 Olympics, that golden goal. Oh, magic. And Mm. I don't even watch hockey, but oh my gosh, I remember exactly everything about that evening. I mean, the entire city just came to a standstill and there were people parading down the streets of Ottawa with uh, beers and pizza and hockey sticks waving and flags everywhere. I have never seen a more patriotic Canadian moment in that moment.
0: You ever (laughs) want to feel patriotic? You know, Canada, we don't like to get very patriotic compared to the United States. We're very Mm -hmm. reserved. We don't, you know, chant like Canada, like they do USA. But Go find those compilation videos of watching Sidney Crosby score the golden goal of all those hundreds and thousands of people watching on outdoor screens across the country at home. It just, it, it'll pump you up. It's, it's honestly a good thing to pump you up, get you excited if you have to write an essay or you get to play sports soon. It's a good gets you riled up. Yep, definitely. (laughs) Um, Are there any sports that you find easier to watch or are there certain ones that uh, don't really interest you, but you can have kind of in the background for background noise and you can like look up kind of pay attention, but like stay focused on work.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, this is probably outing myself in, in a bad way, but uh, normally when there's been um, international tournaments or the Olympics going on, I would usually have the, um, the radio coverage on my headphones while I was working. So, I mean, you'd be listening to something like the luge going on and you're, you're listening to people uh, commentate on uh, how fast these guys were going around the curves and everything or um, during the World Cup you know you'd be sitting around for 90 minutes and I mean yeah the score is usually ending up with like two to one or something but it was just something nice to have on in the background for some reason just having an English commentator explain what's happening on on a gorgeous day on the pitch and you know the sun's coming down and it doesn't necessarily mean that there's any action going on on the field but oh it's just something nice to kind of have going on in the background I, I think for the same reason that people enjoy podcasts right so it's, you know, it's reassuring it's just nice and it's comforting
0: <laughs> that's such I I've never even thought of it that way to listen like radio uh because you don't have that ability then to uh you know take your eyes away or be distracted and uh I I know for me when I was in university writing papers I could have tennis or I could have curling on and it could be on the tv background noise something big happens you know raise my eyes be like, oh that was a nice shot but you know, like keep listening and kind of follow along but I'm not being distracted and I can still kind of write a okay paper maybe that was my problem <laughs> um but I do remember listening to, uh, in 2012, Canada-USA, a semifinal game for soccer in the women's. Mm. Uh, and I was driving from Montreal to Ottawa and listening on the radio. And that controversial six-second call that led to the penalty shot that led to the extra time and us losing. We won the bronze medal, but that kind of devastation, but that made the drive go by like nothing and concentrated. And uh, I might have to try listening so I feel more concentrated yeah. on what I'm doing and not have the eyes wander.
1: You need to have the right commentator. I usually find that, uh, unfortunately, for a lot of TV broadcasts, those guys start to meander, especially in baseball. All oh, baseball's they start-
0: so bad.
1: <laughs> no, they, they just, all of a sudden, they, they pick on somebody in the stands or, like, they'll go off on a tangent about some random guy that the two of them happened to meet, you know, 10 years ago. And they're like, where is he now? Like. That's nice. What's happening? What's what's actually going on out on the diamond? Nothing? <laughs> Nothing. Okay.
0: <laughs> um, are there any sports that you would like to get into or do you find that you are kind of full up?
1: I wouldn't really say I'm full up of sports. I'm always interested to discover something new and different. And I think really in a way with being forced indoors and trying to find ways to entertain yourself during a pandemic, um, it has really opened my eyes to different uh, types of games. Uh, Korean baseball was fascinating, uh, especially since they were loading up you know, stuffed animals and stuff in the stands. That was just a riot to watch. Um, the the and NC team Dinos like are like our riot. team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I'd say I'd probably take another stab at trying to watch cricket again. I don't fully understand the rules. I think it's fascinating and I love how popular it is, uh, you know, in, in places like Pakistan or in India and just seeing how much they've committed to this game and trying to understand how a score can end up with like something like 600 to 12 or. I just, I don't understand how it can be so (laughs) one-sided.
0: It's, you know, cricket, and I've been saying this probably for six or seven years now, I'm going to get into cricket. I'm going to understand it. And we do a series on the podcast called Deep Dives where we, you know, look at leagues. So we did definitely Korean baseball, uh, Japanese baseball, when it was the first things to come back last year. And now we're concentrating on kind of the, Alternative sports that, uh, at least here in North America, we don't know. Uh, So uh, we're definitely, but cricket has always been one where I'm like, like, I want to know. And having traveled a little bit and gone down to the Caribbean, some of those nations, like having driven by a few uh, uh, stadiums for cricket, they're bigger then most cfl stadiums here in canada uh hold yeah. more people than nhl rinks it's like an essentially a, a skydome for cricket and yeah. i was one day away um on the last cruise that we did for our honeymoon i mean i can't say i would have been allowed to attend a cricket match on uh but uh england was down there playing the uh west indies and they're kind of doing a tour and we were a day after the match and that's all anyone could talk about was like oh this great match and we drove by the stadium and i was like holy cow and it was sold out and i was like that's a lot of people like but understanding the difference between international you know world cup cricket it's a single match but these test matches can take three days and it's like what's i don't yeah what okay
1: it's crazy. No, I I would absolutely love it and, you know, the uh, the uniforms and stuff, the the really crisp whites that they wear mm. when they're out on the field, they look really good. Um, but then yeah, the other uh, the other team sport that I I really wish actually was applied to uh, more places and I don't understand why it's not more popular here is Australian rules football.
0: Uh, Aussie like, rules football. Uh, that,
1: that sport, it looks it's brutal you don't have any pads on it's got the same sort of physicality and contact as rugby and football and then you have to have the the accuracy in order to kick an egg-shaped ball through these uprights so I mean like it's incredible and I know that I mean if you want to talk fandoms my gosh like I have watched videos on you know like the the hooligans that follow along (laughs) with that sport because it is just it is insanely violent but it is so entertaining to watch
0: it's yeah. it's so entertaining and you know i i'm gonna put on the list uh for for deep dives going forward is aussie rules football but australia is essentially open right now they you know they kick the pandemic's ass and i'm you so know, jealous the people can go to yeah. sporting they them in new zealand uh, and, you know, I, I believe the season should be starting soon because they're heading into their fall and it's yes, more of a winter yeah. sport for them because again, their winters are opposite us here in North America. Uh, we don't have any Southern hemisphere listeners quite yet, but uh, so, uh, you know, Christmas time is their like middle of summer for us, like uh, middle of June, middle of July. So they're heading into their fall and uh yeah aussie rules football i believe goes through our summer so there's plenty of teams to get Happy behind watching. it's and it's on it's readily available on tv here and for streaming yeah. you just have to you know work out the time difference but uh usually early in the morning or late at night uh because i mean let's be real who has a normal sleep schedule these days so
1: Nothing rules don't apply anymore. There's no such thing as a regular sleep pattern, circadian
0: rhythm. It is anarchy. Who follows stop signs these days? Just
1: (laughs) there's no traffic anymore. Who cares? (laughs)
0: Um, speaking of the pandemic, do you think the pandemic will change the way we consume or watch sports, or do you think there's been enough time now that we might? I, I don't even know what a a regular consumption of sports was other than being able to go to a live sporting event or going in a communal space, like a restaurant or a bar. Um, but do you think the pandemic has changed the way we consume sports? Uh, as fans, probably not.
1: I mean, it's definitely made it a lot more accessible, I think, in terms of online streaming, but um I think for the players themselves, it definitely makes a big, significant impact on them. I mean, there was a game that I watched the other night where uh, uh, the Denver Nuggets had actually allowed in a a small number of people into the stadium to watch them play. And the way that uh, they were addressing the fans at the end of the game, you know, obviously it's, it's a mutual thing where uh, the fans miss the players and the players do really miss the fans. So I think, really it has demonstrated just how much of that atmosphere kind of gets sucked out of the the room when, when you don't have anybody there to watch you. Um, And you don't, yeah, there's no such thing as a a home court or a home field advantage at this point, because there's just, there's nobody to get you pumped up to play. So I think really if they do manage to kind of keep some of these things that uh, they've taken away from the pandemic moving forward, would probably be to have more interaction with people who are watching from home. Because I mean, sometimes the majority of these tickets and stuff uh, to go and watch a game in person live are, are so out of reach for the average uh, viewer. So, I mean, in order to have that uh, interaction with the players or, uh, you know, some sort of, uh, I guess, it's almost like a, an exclusive access. Uh, would probably be really, really beneficial to a franchise that's looking to try and keep people uh, interested and engaged even while they're away from the stadium and away from the team. Um, the other thing that I've, I've really taken away uh, that I've enjoyed watching in basketball is the fact that they don't have anybody at the court side. So it's really made it a lot more aggressive for the players. If they're going to chase a ball out of bounds, they are going for that ball. Like, they're not worried about charging into the chairs or knocking over a cameraman underneath the the net or anything like that. Like, they are just going for it now. So, kind of hope that they'll be able to keep some sort of space. Maybe even if you just move it back, like, maybe three feet. Just to kind of give them the sense that they've got some room to play around with so that if they step out of bounds, they're not going to crush someone. (laughs) Just an idea.
0: You know, a, a perk, if you will, of sitting courtside at a basketball game of getting crushed by <laughs> your favorite player. I got flattened by Kevin Durant! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least you'll have video evidence if you can't go into work, so you're...
1: <laughs> Ask me. Ask me how I got this black eye. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, of the changes that you've seen... Uh, from the sports that have returned, uh, do you see any sticking around uh, being beneficial for the sports? Or do you think uh, once everything gets back to a a normal, if you will, uh, that they'll just kind of revert back?
1: Yeah, I mean, in, in terms of the health protocols that they've established, I think those will be sticking around. I mean, they've already treated their players with uh, oven mitts anyway trying to keep them completely insulated which obviously has different degrees of success, but uh, I think it really does prove just how much we're in each other's faces. Um, so maybe it might be a way to kind of enhance uh, player safety and health moving forward. Um, but in terms of what they would be doing for uh, the stadium staff or for people that are gonna be showing up at the, the games once they start opening again. Uh, I honestly, I don't know if they've had to change anything in, in places like New Zealand or Australia when they were allowing people to attend games again. But uh, I mean, I think that it will be changing the, the attitudes of uh, the way that uh, games are managed from now on, when they actually have people attending them again, um, which I think would probably be in everyone's best interest, hopefully. <laughs> I don't know. It, it it takes a lot to change people's minds. <laughs> when it, it, comes it really to does. Personal hygiene. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, what is one change you would suggest for a sport to make it better?
1: Ooh. I mean, I think I covered the one where I I like the idea of moving, you know, some of the seats back from courtside and baseball or basketball. But, uh, um, I mean, in some of the finer points of of other sports, generally people always have a real problem when it comes to doing like the uh, uh, penalty reviews or, uh, you know, going and checking the tape. And uh, just I wish that there was a way that they would be able to do that more effectively i guess or at least use it a little bit less frequently because it, it really does slow the game down and sometimes it works for your team's benefit like if they're really gassed and they just cannot catch their breath sometimes having that that review time yeah it helps but at the same time when you're watching from home and you've been following along with a game that's been going for like three and a half hours it can get exhausting so you know try and Improve the uh, the penalty review, I guess. Just a just an idea.
0: Is there a way to make I don't want to say baseball faster because then you get the purists that don't want any change. Um, like my big thing is uh, adding more playoff spots for baseball because when your team is out in middle of July, you know you don't get the attendance, people stop caring, and you know baseball is a oh you have so much money, you can essentially buy a championship. Uh, So other than playoffs and maybe having a salary cap for baseball, is there a way to make it, I don't want to say faster, but run smoother so that, you know, the younger generation who's very like, I need everything satisfied right now uh, so that, you know, the fans that are getting older don't kind of die off and there's no one to replenish. (laughs) <laughs> I guess that's uh...
1: I mean <laughs> that's bleak no <laughs> I don't know it's um because I can remember the phase where they tried doing that with the the timer for pitchers right they had mm-hmm. to have that uh, countdown clock next to the um the batting box god that was awful um so no I don't know if there's some way to speed it up per se um it's, it is difficult to try and keep people engaged in a sport that they just don't see any value in, in kind of, I wouldn't want to say wasting an afternoon, but at least, you know, dedicating that time to actually being there and seeing the game in its entirety.
0: It's a, Um, you you plan out your day for baseball, whereas like hockey or basketball, you know, two hours, like an evening or like go for dinner, then the game, then you could go technically somewhere else after, or hit up a club or go sleep because it's like (laughs) nine 30. But baseball, you know, a one o'clock game, you know, the blue Jays just had a, their opening day game. And we kind of talked about this in the episode that dropped on opening day, um, you know, with the added, you know, runner on second and for extra innings, because, you know, it's exciting opening day to have extra innings and a close game. But when it's middle of August and both teams are out and you're in the bottom of the 19th inning, does it really matter? You've played a second game for teams that are 20 games out of it. Uh, Yeah. So like, I I like adding those rules, but there are a lot of people who don't like the, you know, extra runner on second to speed the game up or something. Um, Yeah. I
1: mean, how do you change the rules without really trying to up the stakes in order to do basically just a a money grab? You want people to pay attention to the game, but I mean, is that the most exciting way that you could try and make the game more engaging? I mean, if if you were really interested in watching the sport, you would be, you know, following along with absolutely every single game as you're going through it. Like I said, you know, listening to these things on the radio or, um, you know, having it on in the background or something. But it's difficult to say. I mean, sometimes it's kind of nice not to have a time limit to your, uh, to your sporting event. But... Um, <laughs> You know, at the same time, yeah, it can it can really, really drag itself out. And, uh, I mean, yeah, rain out games.
0: that, mm-hmm.
1: that uh, The World Series were, I mean, basically it was like everything that they could throw at the Cubs to make sure that they had to wait until the very last possible minute to win the title, finally. Um, yeah, it, it, it took ages. It took ages and ages. Um, but, I mean... Yeah, it's, I wouldn't want to be changing anything about the sport that kind of makes it feel rushed, you know, Mm. it's difficult. I mean, the reason why you enjoy watching baseball is for that very reason is that there's no time limit to it. So there's no pressure. You can strategize, you can uh, play defensively and then really go on a streak where you're knocking things out of the park. So Uh,
0: what makes a good rivalry? (laughs)
1: <laughs> the fact that you are able to have two teams where it doesn't necessarily matter if either one of them is playing particularly well that season, you know, that they are looking forward to that game on the schedule because there is just something that you, you loathe about that other team. And maybe it's because it's so similar that the coaching staff is the, the same or the players are just so well matched that, they just flat out do not like each other. And whether it's, you know, the, uh, uh, the taunting or it's the fan bases that drive it. Um, I don't know. There's, it's just something that is really fulfilling. Like just having like an itch scratched when you've got that <laughs> perfect rivalry that you just, oh, you just need to hate somebody for some good reason. And that seems to like really fit the bill
0: um do you absolutely just hate any teams uh even if it's a sport that you don't watch you're like you know what i don't like that team even though i don't watch that sport
1: Uh, i mean i'll go through phases and stuff like that it's more it's not directed at teams per se uh generally it's either at players or particularly hostile fan bases Mm. Like Mm -hmm. I've, I've never really been a follower of say like the Vancouver Canucks, but that year when they just tore the city apart after losing, I was like, why would anybody want to support this team with uh, with fans like that? They were just too out of control in that moment. And I know that it, it wasn't all the fans, but at the same time, like that's, that's really the first introduction that everybody has to that team. Unfortunately, um, or, you know, like hearing about Philadelphia with, you know, fans that are, they had to grease up the, the lamp poles and stuff. Uh, people <laughs> oh, were up and
0: oh, I have a huge fan. Horses. I have a huge friend who's a fan of Philadelphia. And, you know, he was so ecstatic when they won. And then about like two hours later, when there's video of, you know, a fan eating horse poop from a police horse. Oh, my God. You know, it, it's. You're happy, but at the same time, you're given that, like, I'm a part of this, aren't I? Yeah. All right. (laughs) That's rough. That is rough. When you are celebrating so hard that you feel like you need to
1: eat literal shit. Like, that's just.
0: (laughs) I feel too good about myself. I really need to bring myself down. How do I do that? Oh, look. Oh, man. Yeah. And yeah, it just, there
1: always seems to be like, I don't know, antagonists, you know, like Odor was for uh, for Bautista when they were playing in that uh, ALDS series or um, under normal circumstances, you know, like I really like Kevin Durant as a player, but as soon as he put him on an opposing team against the Raptors, God, I hate that guy. Like just doesn't matter how well he's playing. And I mean, he could be doing perfectly well in, uh, in, in other regards with, uh, you know, whatever team he's on. Obviously with the Nets, like they're, they are the next super team right now. But, uh, oh, yeah, love his game. Hate there, to play
0: against him. Is there a player, uh, this is kind of a two-part question, is there a player that you like absolutely hated, um, but as you've grown up or as the player has kind of grown up, That you know, they've done, you know, lots of charity work, they've done something or helped someone where you're just like, you know, I guess I don't hate you anymore.
1: I mean, yeah, when you find out that somebody's a decent person away from the field, it's (laughs) conflicted, right? Oh man, I'm sure that there's been a couple of players like that in the NFL where you think, like, you are such a goon, and then you find out that is they like give to the SPCA and they, you know, like kiss babies in the maternity ward at the the local hospital, like just the nice stuff that they could be doing for their fans or, you know, people that are really struggling where they donate a ton of money. Oh man. Like, yeah, I'm trying to think of other players like that where you think you are such a horrible person to watch on the field or I can't think of anybody off the top of my head that really stands out that, uh, It makes me feel so conflicted like that. I have felt it, but oh boy.
0: Is there a a player that you, that plays on a rival team that you really don't like, but you like them because they also play for, uh, you know, Canada or your favorite national team. So you you like them when they play for your country, but you hate them when they play against your team. (laughs) Um.
1: I can't think of any other national players because predominantly like it's, it's usually hockey that we, we dedicate a lot of our players to, they all play for the States and then come back to Canada to play for the national team. But uh, I mean, I, I really didn't, really didn't like uh, Sidney Crosby for the longest time.
0: Um, Same here. And He's caused so much pain in my heart, but he's (laughs) done so much for Canada that it just, You just, you can't help but
1: root for the guy. Uh, It just, yeah. Um, But in terms of rival players and stuff, I mean, oh boy. Like I I really like um, uh, Aaron Donald playing Mm. for for the Rams and uh, just absolutely hate the guy in other regards. You know, he just destroys my team every single time they played uh, against each other. And I'm sure he's a nice guy and he's very very de- uh, deserving of those multiple defensive player of the year awards but my
0: god you know just get him off the field <laughs> you just have to hate him for 2 to 4 games maybe playoffs as well so that's it just just 4 weeks out of the year you don't like the guy the rest of the time and there's an added there's an added week this year for the NFL so i mean like you know one more week to like the guy <laughs> Like, that's the one chance he has to turn it all around. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: um are there any teams uh of a sport that you don't really follow or pay attention to but if they win and you hear about it you're like you know good for you.
1: Yeah, um generally it, it's probably Premier League. Um my dad grew up not really following any particular team, which is really bizarre for an Englishman to say cuz it's that's, so territorial.
0: That's that's very interesting. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, he, he never really supported any particular teams in uh, you know, London boroughs or anything like that. So um for the most part, I mean, for some unbeholden reason, I don't know why, but I always really enjoy uh, uh Liverpool. So when they were like this close to winning the title in however many years and then everything went into shutdown, I was like, No. <laughs> Why would you take that from them?
0: You <laughs> give that back to them right now.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: They deserve <laughs> so that. Like
1: two away. <laughs> but yeah, that's really the only team. Like, yeah, i Yeah. I wish that I did watch more Premier League like I did, you know, when I was living with my parents. But no, unfortunately, uh, most of the time, um, you know, it's, it's, pretty much on a knife's edge in the, in that league is that they've got so many decent teams and really good players that really there isn't one that kind of rises above everybody else. So when you've got like some random team, like Manchester city, all of a sudden take supremacy in the league. And, uh, you know, it just, I, I felt really, really happy for the fans that they finally had uh, you know, a local team that they could really root for. So
0: mm. again,
1: underdog stories, everybody loves an underdog.
0: Everyone loves an underdog. And lastly, is there something that you would like to say to your favorite team? Are they listening? They they could be. <laughs> I don't know. We'll we'll have to find out.
1: I don't want to say anything that uh, you know gets me you know put up on a Twitter feed being like who is this? So um, I guess really like go Hawks. But uh, for the most part, no. I, it's it's all it's all love for my teams utter disappointment for the Raptors, Uh, but obviously this season is a complete write-off, but yeah, still been entertaining to watch nonetheless. So
0: that's, that's all we can ask for in a, in a time in the world where uh, you have the most amount of eyes possible. Um, No one's really distracted in some areas of the country or the world. Um, Laura, you're always articulate. You're always passionate uh, on social media when it comes to to sports uh i know we have our fun rivalry when it comes to to the nfl it's both of our teams nfc in the west same, is best you know it's it's it was crapped on for all those years now look at us now you know every yeah. every team that's, that's the, the Super rivalry Bowl. that i
1: miss that's the rivalry that i miss is is 49ers seahawks we need that back again
0: we we do and uh hopefully this this football season will be feel normal not like last season it didn't uh didn't quite feel the same yeah uh, but uh thank you so very very much for coming on the podcast um and uh yeah we'll uh, have to have you on again for our uh nfl draft episode or uh going forward That'd be fun. Um, yeah. yeah so thanks so much for uh taking time out of your day and uh Thanks for coming. on. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. (laughs) Yes. The Easter bunny is coming.
1: I mean, I'm sure he's still able to go in house to house, even despite the pandemic, but uh...
0: yes, he totally wears a uh, he or she. I actually don't know. The Easter bunny will have a mask on and uh, just be very, very safe with uh, with gloves. So
1: yes, leaving treats all over the place.